You're listening to KDBS 90.3 FM. This is Local Bag, and you are listening to No Police Radio. We are back, just like we are every other week, as promised. What we just listened to uh, um, were a few songs off of um, the album Going Places by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. And I believe the songs were A Walk in the Black Forest, Zobra the Greek, and possibly Cinco de Mayo. Um, but yeah, so we were just figuring out some... You know, technical difficulties um, for that start, you know, during the start of the show. So thanks for being with us. Hope you enjoyed Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass um, while we were figuring all those out. But I'm here with a special friend. Who are you? What's up, guys? I'm <laughs> I'm DJ Ratstar. And today I created a commune that's only in my house and... Asked your mom, and she said that you could come over, so Amazing. let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, but yeah, welcome to No Police Radio. You can hear us every other week discussing all things abolition, from tuition to the prison industrial complex. Everything that has to go to make way for a free university. We'll feature conversations with guest organizers, abolitionist scholars, and people who have taken part in the university's radical history, all with an eye towards how we get free. And today we just want to give a quick content warning. Um, we are going to be talking about cops, which al- which always means talking about violence, racism, incarceration, um, and yeah, all of those, all of those things. So just a quick content warning. Um, also, the following views presented in this hour do not reflect the views of KDBS, KDBS sponsors, or the University of California, but they sure reflect our views. So take that as you will. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of fun things today. Um, let's see. We're gonna do. Do you want to talk about what we're gonna talk about? Yeah, sure. Uh, we are mostly gonna be talking about um, how things have been going in New York City right now, with a lot of actions that have been um, coming up for the liberation of Palestine um, and the NYPD's repression upon that. We're also gonna do, of course, our um, Bad Cop Good Project for this week. And also, I uh, forgot to mention last time, Happy Black History Month. Um, we have some events to... Um, <laughs> we have some events to advertise mm-hmm. in our good projects, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, stay tuned if you'd like. Um, yeah, super excited for today's topic. Um, happy Black History Month as well. And let's see. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of fun things. We have a very special guest coming up in just a moment. Um, Very special friend, Rose, from New York City. Super, super fun. Really excited. So we're just going to jump to another quick music break. Promise it won't be as long as the last one, um, as we are all squared (laughs) away with our technologies. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But yeah, so we're going to jump to a quick music break right now. And when we get back, we're going to hear from our good friend Rose. So stick around if you'd like to hear more of that. Let's broaden our minds. Lawrence! Right, that was Party Man by Prince off of the Batman soundtrack, actually. Um, Didn't know Prince produced this entire soundtrack for the Jack Nicholson Batman. Um, Pretty fire, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a Um, cool music video for it, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm excited. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I need to go home and watch that. But yeah, now that we are back from the break, um, I would like to introduce our special guest, uh, Rose. Rose is a student in New York City and a New York native who has been involved in pro-Palestine protests, both on university campuses 
and in the community since October. Rose, can you hear us? Hello. Yes, I can hear you. Can Amazing. you hear me okay? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm, I'm excited to connect with folks in other states and, I don't know, just kind of share ideas with everyone. Yeah, us as well. But yeah, just to hop right into it, we heard that um, in, we've heard that recently the New York Police Department has uh, recently swarmed a group of protesters, um, arrested a couple, and also set um, set the rest of the group up for a possible arrest by coming out of the precinct with zip ties when folks tried to go out there to support their comrades. Can you talk a little bit about that situation, um, set it in context, give us your thoughts, um, and why is NYPD trying so hard to shut these protests down? Yeah, that was um, that was about two weeks ago now, and we we were it was the the day that it was really amazing actually. So many universities in the city um, students organized these walkouts, and the plan is for or was for everybody to meet up in Washington Square Park, which is downtown in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just joined uh, a campus that of a school that I don't attend, but they were nearby, and they said, "Okay, we're all going to head down together. Mm-hmm. Let's just hold like a mini." demonstration sort of and then we'll all get on the subway together and meet the other SJPs and protesters uh, downtown right and so there's a very small group of us fewer than 20 for sure Mm -hmm. and we were on their campus and just doing some of the usual chants and they were using a megaphone and uh, a bunch of the public safety for the school was kind of standing around watching us and they closed off the street which was weird because it was such a small group of people and then there were like NYPD vehicles and just kind of doing this menacing thing um but then we said okay we're done here you know we're going to head over to the to the subway station and the second we left the sort of i'm not going to say gate but maybe arch that signals you're you're off the campus um we got about a block and a half away and once we were off the campus nypd formed us and um so they they said that the issue was that we had a megaphone and um they they had said that they sorry my dog's scratching something they had said that they warned one of the other people who had been leading chants on the megaphone and they were like but you didn't tell this person and there was a lot of back and forth like why don't you just take the megaphone away and they were escalating escalating and then they just um cuffed the girl and put her in a van and um i and then someone else told me afterwards that i I had missed in all of the chaos that they they took a second student so they told us all hey we're going to take this is well not (laughs) they weren't so nice about it but we asked right and they told us which precinct it would be and so we all tracked it was far away Uh, it took like 40 minutes to get there and we all made our way over to support the students who had been arrested Mm -hmm. and they told us no you can't be outside the precinct they made us cross the street first we listened and then they came back out and they said if you don't go down the street you'll all be arrested so we listened and we went down the street and then they filed out maybe 15 officers in a line with handful of zip ties to stand across the street from us in a line staring at us like um, a weird like militaristic thing right um so yeah there was just a lot of threats to arrest us all for seemingly doing the thing they told us to do Um, yeah Right. That's insane. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like you guys couldn't really win in that situation, that they just kind of tried yeah. to put you in the worst situation that they could. 
Yeah. yeah, we were really trying to listen to, like, every step of the way when they said, like, oh, you need to do this thing or you'll be arrested, we would do the thing. And then they'd right. come over three minutes later and say, you need to do this thing or you'll be arrested. Like, we were playing this game with them. And then, of course, at that point, counter-protesters formed and they were waving an Israeli flag at us across the street. And Ooh, they weren't yeah. being met with any of the force that we were being met with. So right. it was a very clear picture. Yeah, of course. But that is that is really intense. And it just goes to show that, like, you know, obviously <laughs> cops don't play by the rules um, yeah, and definitely. cops don't don't say and do things that are, you know, completely legal. And like, you know, you were more than within your right to stand on the sidewalk um, to support your friends that had just been arrested um, or, you know, just, you know, to support people that had been arrested. But that is um, and that's some insane repression that you guys that you all faced at the hands of the NYPD um but yeah do you speaking you know you were just talking about your experience um like at this um this kind of like protest and also how there were counter protesters um are there any other moments of interest that you've witnessed um or heard about that can help us think about um police repression um within the context of protests and especially like um like pro-Palestine protests within the past couple of months yeah, unfortunately, a ton. Um, there, as I've I've been protesting on um, multiple university campuses as, as well as in the community, but mm-hmm. I, I think there's an interesting thing happening right now between the NYPD and public safety of universities, mm-hmm. um, like the their officers, because um, like NYU, for instance, their SJP will plan protests in in a space on campus an outdoor space, but just say, okay, we're all going to meet here. Mm-hmm. And when you get there, public safety has blocked it off and they won't let you in. And wow. um, NYU's campus happens to be situated right next to that park I mentioned earlier, Washington Square Park, mm-hmm. um, which is a, you know, a, a, a huge place with many, many, many people. Mm-hmm. And it's very public. And what happens is when the public safety officers block off that area of campus, now students just have to head to Washington Square Park which means they're now transferred to the hands of NYPD. Right. So yeah. universities are continuously taking away students' spaces mm-hmm. to exercise their free speech and handing them mm-hmm. right over to the police. And so there's been this weird thing going on with that. And I've seen a bunch of people critiquing that of Columbia as well, because that is a gated campus. And what they've done time and time again is um, have a bunch of NYPD officers. And when I say a bunch, like I mean, I mean a ridiculous, unfathomable amount of officers um, guarding all of the gates. And when you go to class on those days, because there's been uh, a demonstration or, or a protest plan, and they close off all the gates except the two that they man with a bunch of police officers, so the officers are the ones checking your Columbia student ID. It's not oh, wow. a, a staff member or something of the school. You have NYPD checking to see if you're allowed wow. to be on the campus. And that's just, wow. I don't know quite the adjective for that, but it's been right. something that, that a lot of people have been observing and they don't really know what to do with. Right. I can think of a few adjectives to describe that, but um, yeah. that is, yeah. imagine like, just like, I don't know. Even if you were a student and, you know, forgot your ID that day, like you could be met with some, um, you know, just thinking about the repression that you could be facing for trying to like, quote unquote, infiltrate the campus for like an alternative purpose rather than just going to class is. um, Yeah. And it sounds like they're just trying to blockade everyone in, too, which is Mm -hmm. honestly like really scary because then like if you want to just leave, 
like at any time <laughs> like um you could yeah. easily get singled out by police yeah absolutely and especially i can't even think about um how that must feel for like black and brown students at columbia yeah um or just students that don't feel safe with with you know an heightened police presence around um you know that must be extremely anxiety inducing and also um would make me personally not want to go to class that day um Absolutely. or on campus or near campus at all um right yeah it communicates something that well once we know there's a pro-palestine event planned now there's danger on campus yeah and that's just like this thing they continue to do mm. and then of course we see like the skunk incident that right. happened that we have iowa soldiers or former iowa soldiers mm -hmm. using um, chemical weapons on students on yeah. the campus and it's like what have they done about that <laughs> right exactly but it's yeah. like that's not that's not the danger that's not the danger the danger is mm -hmm. like it you know it's obviously like the <laughs> i don't know i don't know what their logic is but it um, sounds like they're trying to employ like a lot of the same stop and frisk policies yeah. except they'll do it for mm. the perimeter of columbia mm. i didn't know columbia was a gated campus too that's very interesting yeah. to know me neither yeah, they lock all the other entrances. They leave two open, and they they, wow. um, they padlock all of the others. And then the two that are open, they have police standing at both. Right, that's crazy. And just, like, passing, honestly, like, I feel like we've seen that in the, what's it called, in the Davis campus, too, like, a mobilization of non-campus police. Um, you know, we have, like, you know, Davis, the da city of Davis Police Department come out um, to events and, um, you know, just other kinds of, like, riot police that are... Um, you know that aren't specifically like campus police it's also funny that they call it public safety and they're just cops yeah mm -hmm. public safety <laughs> right i feel like we see you know cops by any other name um mm -hmm. it smells just as bad but you know whatever that saying yeah. is but yeah so that's that's really interesting that's it's interesting to know about all of that coming from um someone on the ground and um i would be really interested in i don't know hopefully we'll be able to connect with more folks in new york city um and just get you know get their get their thoughts on everything that's been going on and but yeah it, like you said it's very interesting how um you know campuses are supposed to be like proponents of free speech and proponents of you know um students students advocating for what they want to advocate for um and we hear that argument so much especially when like fascist speakers come to our campus as well and to campuses across the united states um that they do need to be platformed and, you know, because of free speech. But then, you know, when anyone tries to exercise like that right on a university campus um, and it's not, you know, pro, it's not yeah. like pro, like, you know, the capitalist regime and everything. It's just it's automatically shut down. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's really interesting. Do you want to ask the next question, Ratstar? Uh, yeah, sure. I guess. um I guess I wanted to ask, what can you say about the skewed media coverage and other forms of this kind of double standard that's being, um, that's being, I guess, like shown by the NYPD mm -hmm. and how they enforce these pro-Palestine and pro-Israel Israel, um, protesters in that way, especially since um, Columbia University outlawed or banned their SJP chapter, didn't mm -hmm. they? Yeah. 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 Um, God, there's, there's been a lot. So actually, returning to that story about what happened a couple of weeks ago when they arrested the students for the megaphone use, there was actually a crazy double standard that I witnessed um, that all within like a month span because I prior to that happening, I had been 
marshalling a protest. It was, it was, I don't even necessarily want to call it that. It was a cultural re- resistance march, and people went through the theater district and created really beautiful art uh, in support of Palestine and calling for um, justice in in the arm of uh, in the realm of like arts specifically. And uh, so we had performers who were singing and doing spoken word and, and those sorts of things. So hearing was extremely important for that event. And I would say fewer than 10, maybe like a group of seven Zionists were able to effectively destroy all of it with the use of a, one loud megaphone. Oh, and wow. the police did absolutely nothing. The NYPD presence there was actually insane. And I was marshalling the back of the protest. So I was between NYPD and our protesters. And they were questioning me, you know, as if we were the problem. And the Zionists who, ha- who were trying to destroy our stuff, and they were screaming really obscene things on, on this megaphone, and they pushed one of our protesters over a barricade, and NYPD did absolutely nothing. Um, they, they were questioning me, what group is this? Where are you guys headed? Mm. Um, and that was such a stark contrast for me because, of course, the, the, the common denominator here is the megaphone, mm. and yet... Mm-hmm you have like an entire precinct employed behind me or deployed rather behind me. And they're not going to do a thing about it. And this is a March where we have elders, we have children. Like it was, they did nothing obviously. And then two weeks later, I see students being thrown in an NYPD van getting arrested and they're threatening to arrest the rest of us too, with zip ties and everything for for a megaphone. Right. And it was just so clear. There was no other way to understand what happened there than like, you all have a clear agenda here and you've chosen a side. Exactly. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you know like what the NYPD, like why they wanted to arrest people for megaphones? Like, is there a certain like policy or are they just like saying, Oh, your megaphones too loud. I believe it was something to do with a permit. I think Mm. they argue that you need a permit to use one. Um, I haven't read what? the law on that though, so I'm not necessarily sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they haven't things. either, honestly. Yeah, that's really yeah, odd. I've right. never had, I've never heard of people needing to use like permits specifically for a megaphone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I don't know. That's yeah, that's really insane. Um, yeah, there's really no way to, and it's I don't know. It's just very very clear that none of these events were ever violent until either Zionists showed up or the or the police showed up. And exactly. obviously, like all of yeah. these are very, you know, when people gather to, you know, share their anger and share their sadness um, for a genocide happening across the world. Um, you know, that's just a place where people gather to share their emotions and to speak out and you know do whatever whatever they would like in terms of like expression on that um and you know it's never violent till the cops show up which is something a common trend common trend that we see a lot um but yeah and you know because we're obviously a radio show that's about abolishing police and um a show that talks about like police abolition and just violence committed by police um in all forms we look at protests as something that you know you necessarily don't really cooperate with cops to organize for example like you know not needing permits not asking for police protection um, not telling local government or cops in advance of the action Um, have you been to protests with and without police collaboration do you have thoughts on this Um, I know during you know in the aftermath after the murder of George Floyd there were a lot of um, 
there were a lot of protests like for Black Lives Matter and um, just a lot of, yeah, that were in collaboration with the police and some people think it's counterintuitive, but um, yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I definitely have been at both, but I haven't necessarily been involved in organizing both. So I, to be clear, I haven't been organized. I haven't been involved in organizing one that is cooperating with the, with the police. I'm not sure what the insides of that look like. Um, but I know that like something we've done, say when we've shut down bridges and things like that is we'll have a police liaison present, which is one of us who is trained to speak with police. So if mm-hmm. we are being questioned or, you know, the, the NYPD is trying to interact with us in any way, we can say like, there's that person, that's who you need to speak to. And we're kind of just, the training is like, don't, don't interact. Don't like when the person, when I was marshalling and, and one of the officers was questioning me, I just kept saying, I don't know. She was like, what group is this? I was like, I don't know. She's like, where are you guys headed? I was like, I don't know. I'm just following the group. You know, you have to just right. keep, don't give them anything, direct them to a police liaison. So I think yeah. people feel more comfortable at times when there's a liaison present because you're able to be like, okay, there's someone else I can like direct this to. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, we did a Know Your Rights episode two weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. Was that two weeks ago? Was that the last episode? No, that was the episode no. before that. It was four yeah. weeks ago. We did a Know Your <laughs> Rights episode. Um, but yeah, that's a really interesting thing to have is to have like that kind of like that liaison person. And, you know, it does put a lot onto one person, but especially if they're like well equipped to handle that kind of thing, it's, you know, that can be a good thing to have. Um, yeah. And with like circling back on permits, it sounds like NYPD is trying to weaponize like who has specific like who's specifically approved by the government to do some of these protests, um, which is not good because, you know, uh, a lot of local governments have been trying to say that any pro-Palestine protest is just, like, supporting, like, terrorism. Mm. So they're Mm -hmm. a lot less likely to actually be given any of those protections. Um, And it sounds like that's part of what was happening for the megaphone. I just really can't believe that, that they're just right. starting to be stringent about that now, where it's like, you cannot have a megaphone. Right. That is <laughs> that is bonkers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard about that happening again. They were using the same argument in um, the, the, like, flood NYC for Rafah. Like, um, there was a big movement for that. And, and they were using that again. They were trying to arrest people for, for megaphones. And it's just kind of, I mean, it's the same thing, how they have these laws here of, um, you you could get in trouble for um, stickering or, or using chalk, and it's like, who are they going to? Mm. Like as you're saying, they're going to be strategic about when they pull those laws out. Absolutely. Um, like mm-hmm. with the stickering specifically, we we have buildings, entire buildings, and light posts and everything, and I'm sure you guys see this over there as well, that are just absolutely covered from top to bottom in these kidnap right. posters. Right. Um, right. 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 But then when we Sticker, our deputy commissioner got on Twitter and said, like, we, we will face the strictest consequences for, for stickering. Right. Of course. Yes. Of course. So it's yeah. just like, what, what, are, what are we even doing here? No, absolutely. And that just goes to show that, like, like police and other, you know, other entities of law enforcement are not there to support the law. They are not there to enforce any kind of, like, law and order or whatever. It's just, oh my God, like that. It's just so blatantly apparent that they're not there to do just that. Like they're just anyways. 
Yeah, the double standards too just shows that it's um there's definitely seems to be an ongoing trend where the government is trying to find ways to essentially make it illegal to actually protest right. in a lot of ways. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. No, absolutely. Um and yeah, that is you know, it's all it's all very interesting. But yeah, going back to um the flooding New York for Rafa action, um, protesters in New York City trans um, chanted NYPD, KKK, IDF, they're all the same. Um, so that's clearly part of the framework for thinking about this and also for thinking about direct action. Um, do, you, do you think you can say more on, um, let's see, I don't know, like how do New Yorkers understand these relationships amongst police and like the settler colonial state um, and the military and white supremacy? Like how are all of these things present and connected um, in the daily life in New York City as someone who doesn't live there? Yeah, it's um, we we chant that a lot. Unfortunately, that is something that, that mm-hmm. we, we say um, many times uh, at nearly every protest that I'm at and and the reason for that I mean of course I I think the nature of the amazing work that you do on this show for instance is like we know about the ties of course between like police and white supremacy and and Mm -hmm. all of those sort of structural things that are going on and but but there's also like a really interesting affective element to what's happening when we're chanting that because it is every time it's in response to something the police are doing. So we'll be in the middle of doing one of our other chants and then they start to arrest somebody or they start to form something or they're, I mean, freaking guarding a Starbucks from us or something like doing things that are just so bizarre. (laughs) And, and that's when we start. So when think of the poor Starbucks, Oh, sorry. What was that? They, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Like, every Starbucks on the oh. protest, they they have at least two officers outside. That's what? so funny. I swear. Like, we've caught it on video so many times. It's, it's so absurd. That's <laughs> so silly. But, so, we, when we see something like that, or, or like, when the person was, uh, the students were being arrested a couple weeks ago, we started to yell that at them. Mm. And it does something... I think it's one of the many things that we do in that instance to work toward changing the narrative of what's happening at the moment of an arrest because onlookers and everything, the way that you are mm-hmm. conditioned to think, whether it's in the United States or whether it's in this very militarized city, um, is when you see someone being arrested, a lot of the public narrative is like, oh, what did they do? They did something wrong. But, yeah. but for us yelling, like, no, we're aligning you with the KKK. We're aligning you with these people who are currently committing a genocide. Um, I think we're trying to to grab back some of the agency on what's going on there. And I don't know. I, I think it's it's very connected to their actions and, and it's a, an immediate response when we chant that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, one thing in particular is that the NYPD has a base in Israel, too. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like they are literally, like, tied to the Zionist state and then mm-hmm. they're now here when people are trying to do what they can to liberate Palestine in the um in the American Empire mm-hmm. and fight against the American Empire they're yeah. also repressing us here um <laughs> it's yeah it's a really scary trend um how it's been going and 
I I do I do really love that chant because it's really just so oh, yeah. apt and it feels like really powerful when people yeah. shout it. Yeah, because those are connections that are that are all there. Um, yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to see the lines that are clearly drawn between those three entities, the NYPD or any police, any police force, the KKK and also the um, the IOF. Um I think that is a really powerful chant. Um, but yeah. Right. And as it out, like the NYPD's direct connection to them, like we know that they're swapping technology. We know that they're training one another. We know that like the NYPD works very closely with the mm-hmm. IOF. So um, it really helps contextualize sometimes when we are pointing out these very, very clear double standards or these just contrasts that are so jarring at times, you're able to say, well, okay. Like, think about those connections and and that kind of i think clarifies their actions at times not obviously their terrible actions doesn't justify them but i'm like oh okay there there's the connection right absolutely um but yeah do you have any more questions rat star um <laughs> i guess yeah i i was just really like resonating with that point mostly that it's kind of um like understanding all those connections um and how that's relating to also like the university and how there's a lot of um repression (laughs) of um people in terms of like what jobs that they can hold Mm -hmm. and what they're allowed to say what things they're allowed to teach in universities um as well yeah no, definitely. And um, yeah, would you, I, I'm not really, you know, well-versed on this topic, but um, would you be able to talk a little bit more about, um, let's see, about the Columbia, about like Columbia and their social media and like prohibiting specific comments? Like what are their like social media guidelines um, that they've like put out and advertised like in response to, um, in response to more pro-Palestine voices being you know, active on social media. Yeah, they they have some some really alarming um, guidelines going on that that I think only recently came out. I'm not sure exactly what day they were posted, but um, someone called them out on Twitter and it kind of blew up from there. That they Columbia, like on their official .edu website, have posted guidelines for what's prohibited to comment on their social media posts, um, which is already just really fascinating to me like if you created a social media account why are you posting these things that are prohibited on your your website but in any case uh it seems like it's a clear response to people talking about the incident uh, with the skunk being used on their campus because the third bullet point is uh, essentially blocking people from talking about distressing Mm. events what they say yeah um Mm-hmm. So you're not allowed to comment on Columbia. They, they say somewhere on the page, oh, it, you know, our reply section can be a great place to have productive discussion and even debate. And then they go on to say you're not allowed to talk about distressing events in our comments. You right. will be your comment will be removed. Your account will be blocked. So like everything that the university does, you're not allowed to talk about right. it. That's so yeah, exactly. silly. So <laughs> I think it's because, of course, their social media has understandably been bombarded by people who are saying, like, well, how, how have you done nothing about your students being attacked right. with a chemical weapon? They've been hospitalized. How are you not doing anything? And they're like, oh, we can remove these comments because it's a distressing event. 
Right. That reminds me of when <laughs> that reminds me of when UC Davis paid um paid like hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and remove like you know any mention of the pepper spray incident mm-hmm. um where police officers mm-hmm. or like where you know police officers pepper sprayed like you know students who were just like sitting in the middle of the quad in protest um yeah with a really yeah. powerful one that apparently i heard is supposed to be like crowd dispersal but they put it like directly Whoa. in their eyes that's yeah, crazy that- <laughs> but yeah, yeah that i remember yeah they just paid a lot of money to get that wiped from the internet and didn't do a good job but um no. it's just like no. repression, repression of specific content that makes like the university look bad is you know that's not something that's new but it's unfortunately um very blatant <laughs> and yeah it feels very sneaky just to put it on their website too yeah it's like no post about it post about it on in an infographic or something so everyone yeah. can see yeah put that up but no they're just you're probably trying to be sneaky about it and then going like oh see you should have read our website to right. see our rules mm-hmm. <laughs> of moderation Right. And it was very alarming, too, like just to draw on another one of those contrasts. I mean, I remember back in October, it had to be like October 10th. Like it was like right when things started to take off. And and a, a student led radio station at Columbia on their campus, like currently on their campus as they were giving this interview, interviewed a Columbia staff member. Mm. And I don't know if this like gained traction, so I'm not sure if you all had heard of this or not, but I was in the crowd when this person was being interviewed and he pointed at us and in the interview very clearly and it was it was published online he said i i hope they all die oh oh wow wow really employed by the university and they did nothing they said not a word about it and it's like so you're worried about people commenting on your instagram but your staff members are wishing death on students right directly just two people's faces that's crazy oh my goodness that yeah that is that is absolutely insane um i thank you so much for for joining us here on no police radio um you know there hopefully we'll i don't know hopefully we um i don't know i'm glad that we at least don't platform zionists um over here which is really good (laughs) but yeah um are there any last (laughs) any last words any final words that you'd like to share with our (laughs) listeners um any special shout outs you'd like to give um just so we can close out our yeah just so we can close out the interview oh that's not um um <laughs> i just i just want to i thank you guys for the opportunity um to connect and talk about this and this is going to continue escalating unfortunately i think is my prediction especially with eric adams as our mayor so right. um yeah i appreciate that people are keeping an eye on new york and um i'm i'm happy to be able to connect with you guys so thank you yeah thank you for sharing your experience with us it's really like helpful uh for everyone that's standing in solidarity to here to see and learn from what all of you are up to mm-hmm. <laughs> out on the other side yeah i don't know um you know best of luck out there with you know dealing with yeah dealing with eric adams and um you know godspeed in all your endeavors and thank you so much for connecting with us and talking with us today thank you guys all right have a good rest of your day you too Amazing. I just realized I might have skipped a question. Was that what you was that what you were pointing at or uh no. Oh never mind. Um, I'm just hearing things. No, I just said like oh that that is like a funny way to end it. Just oh, like yeah. any, any last, last words. words? <laughs> my bad, my bad. No, I didn't mean it in a menacing way, but then I was like Average any Columbia professor, I guess. Oh right, right. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, someone yeah. should make a meme about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some people who are really good at making memes that might be listening to this show right now. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think we're just going to go... Um, go to a quick music break before we um before we end today's show with our bad cop good project segment um so thanks so much for uh thanks so much to rose for joining us and um we'll be right back after the music break
You've heard about the opiate crisis. Opiates are powerful, pain-reducing medications prescribed by doctors, but they can also be very dangerous. In fact, most overdose deaths involve opiates. So what can you do? A lot. Trouble with opiates often start at home with unused medications in your cabinets or drawers. Opiates could be in pill bottles, syrups, or even prescription patches. Whatever they look like, dispose of unused opiate medications safely before they hurt your family. Find out how to remove the risk at fda.gov slash drug disposal. Doctors Without Borders delivers medical emergency aid to victims of war, armed conflict, natural and man-made disasters, and to others who lack health due to the social or geographical isolation. Doctors Without Borders is a private nonprofit organization which needs your help to bring primary health care to remote, isolated areas where resources and training are limited. For more information about Doctors Without Borders or to volunteer overseas, visit the website at www.doctorswithoutborders.org. All right, we're back with No Police Radio here on KDVS 90.3 FM. We're going to do a quick Bad Cop Good Project segment. we got eight minutes left on the clock. Um, you want to start <laughs> off with the bad, the bad cop? Oh, yeah. Today, uh, the bad cop is Acorn Cop. I have no <laughs> idea what his name is, but he... Um, he's probably one of the funniest cop moments in a while. Uh, it was a, it was a cop that, uh, had detained someone and he thought that he heard a live round hit the windshield of his cop car, but it actually turned out to be an acorn. So there was some really funny Mm. (laughs) body cam footage that came out where he just started like rolling like he was um, fighting a Dark Souls boss. Like he was just, he rolled like multiple <laughs> times and he was like, shots fired. And then he like, he fired at his own police car. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and luckily the detainee was, is safe and fine. <laughs> but yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah, it really just goes to show how trigger happy and paranoid they are. And it's part of the culture, um, clearly. But also it's kind of, funny sometimes yeah it's funny when people don't get hurt directly like yeah um and hopefully that person was you know released (laughs) i don't know like Uh uh-huh and uh it was a florida deputy whose name is jesse hernandez so oh we need like a sound like a sound effect board because we need like a womp womp (laughs) you know just yeah that was the womp womp that was the that's the bad cop sound effect um but yeah um what else so that yeah i guess that was the bad cop and also zionists are the bad cops always um but what's what about the good project um what happened this week a couple days ago actually oh yeah uh asucd at uc davis is um divested like officially divested from um, anything that could any companies that help to fund the Zionist project Amazing. so it, it's a really historical thing mm-hmm. that happened it's 20 million dollars were divested officially yes. and hopefully admin can do nothing about it I think so yeah. that's awesome <laughs> yeah absolutely and that wouldn't have been possible without the work of Students for Justice in Palestine um, you know they've been doing some incredible work here in Davis and Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, they've 
you know, had to do all of this work. I mean, it shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't be, um, you know, Palestine should be free. Palestine should be liberated. Um, and, you know, I hopefully within, within our lifetime, you know, um, but this is like a small victory that mm-hmm. um, that is all theirs, honestly. Like, it's literally all theirs. Um, it's really it's just really good to hear. Yeah. Like that. For I, sure. I cried. I cried watching those videos like just. I don't know. It, it was something so beautiful to see. And especially mm-hmm. some of the comments, some of the comments were like, it was just the student government that voted. And it was like, no, like officially materially divesting $20 million. Amazing. From the state, from, from Israel and from the Zionist project is like crazy. Like that's a crazy win. And like, they're the first university in the U in, in the United States to do that. And like, that is awesome. And hopefully everyone else will follow soon. And, I don't yeah, know. That is other so student big. governments can follow suit because yes. this really because puts power back. Yeah, it puts power back into the students. Exactly. exactly. And like, you mm. know, old ASUCD senators celebrating with them and everything. And like, yeah, I don't know. So awesome. So awesome. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know. One person abstained and one person voted no. And then everyone else voted yes for this. Yeah, um, it was almost unanimous, which yeah. is pretty awesome. That um, is so. Yeah. <sighs> That's like the best project that we could ever have, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's super mm-hmm. awesome. But do you, you want to end off with some? Yeah. Some um, so uh, there is another Stop Cop City Summit coming really soon uh, in Tucson, Arizona. Woo! And you can actually donate to a travel fund for uh, BIPOC people so that they can actually make it to the summit. Um I will provide some links in the show description, but it should be, um, there should be a PayPal link in there. And then also if you're, um, a BIPOC person who would like to travel to, uh, talk with people at the summit about organizing for Stop Cop City, you can find them at BIPOC Travel Fund at ProtonMail.com. Um, another thing is that um, if you miss the Know Your Rights segment, uh, NorCal Resist is doing a training with um, the Anti-Police Terror Project for Know Woo! Your Rights, February 29th. Um, you can find more about that on their Instagram on how to sign up. It's virtual and in person. So yes. <laughs> if you're afraid of getting COVID, that's great. Um, yes. So there's also, I saw... Um, there's an artist showcase called Love Thy Skin. Mm. Um, let me see. It is coming up also on the 29th. Um, it's on 16th Street in Sacramento at the Washington Neighborhood Center. And it's just um, a black and brown artist showcase. And there should be live music and vendors and different stuff like that where you can really like celebrate um black and brown unity through art and community super excited for all those um Mm -hmm. yeah i'll make sure to put all of those in the show description um and yeah yeah and yeah if you ever want to you know check out other recordings um oh my god do you know the no blogs no police radio like the no blogs website um oh it's Okay, if you ever want to find recordings of No Police Radio, past recordings, um, you know, all the links that we always talk about in the descriptions, you can, um, if you're interested in that, the website is ucdcopsoffcampus.noblogs.org. That is ucdcopsoffcampus.noblogs.org. 
Um, and yeah, you can always check us out over there. We have our next show coming up in two weeks on March 4th. May the 4th be with... No, that's uh, that was so wrong. That was so wrong. This is March. This is March. Um, if only. If only. Yeah, I was close. And then, yeah, I think we'll just close out with one more song. But I think that's all for our show today. And this was super fun. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming down again. I always like hosting with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's super fun to come do No Police Radio. And I always feel like... Um, I learned something new. I love all the guests yeah. that come on too. Some great stuff happening. All right. We'll catch you guys in two weeks. This has been Local Bag and DJ Ratstar on No Police Radio here on KDVS 90.3 FM. Yep.